and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us. My name is Brent. I'm here today with David. Kyburn. And we are all alone. TJ and Chris are out on assignment. <laughs> they left us. They left us. <laughs> they, have, they have headed north to fight the, the zombie horde. Uh, and uh, we're just chilling in King's Landing. Yep, just soaking it in. Just that sweet Cersei magic. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching, hit on some news, and finish up by telling you what you will go see this weekend at your local Cineplex, because you don't know any better, you idiot. When you get sick out of, of watching Endgame again and again and again right. from what the financial totals are. Alright, so David, what have you been watching? So, I've uh, got a bunch of rewatches. Three rewatches and a new. Mm. Uh, it's kind of what I did last week too. I'll start with the new one, and I, t- I kind of don't know how to talk about these things, but I watched a comedy special. It's hard to like to talk it's, about this, but I, I think it's really good. It's uh, Anthony Jeselnik's Fire in the Maternity Ward. Okay, uh, I'm a I'm a big uh, Anthony Jeselnik fan. Going back to uh, I used to have his comedy albums when I actually like bought albums. Like, maybe I actually bought the MP3 CD of it, but um, I think he's really funny, and this was back in the day before, like, uh, culture of, like, so his his thing is just, like, being uh, unrepentant asshole and ironic PC edgelording. So it, it is actually cleverer and funnier than that. Um, What's his name? Anthony Jeselnik. See, I'm very unfamiliar with him. Yeah, he's, he's really funny. He also has a really great... Uh, it's They say it's a, a football podcast with Greg Rosenthal. You know him from uh, ESPN? He's like a football writer. Nope. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm over too. <laughs> I'm out here on my own. But it's it's a funny uh, funny special. He talks about... Uh, you know, he talks about murder-suicide and uh, being racist and Alzheimer's and has a 15-minute abortion joke. But it's it's funnier and less like uh, less alt righty than that kind of seems. He's a it's just it's really funny. It's a really solid hour. Um, recommended. It. It's a I think uh, John Mulaney had like a little post about it. I think they like to prop each other up, comedians, and said it's like nearly perfect. Oh wow! So if you like John Mulaney's recommendations, I don't know what else he recommended. Maybe he recommended a Gallagher special or something <laughs> and whiffed on that. But, um, yeah, it's really funny and it goes by really quickly. I know what you mean, though. Like, it's, I feel like the bar for, like, comedy specials is it, it's hard to ever wind up giving one a bad review because mm-hmm. you just turn it off. If, if a comedy yeah. special isn't funny, you probably just wouldn't finish it. So. Yeah, when you're in the frame of mind to watch that, you're kind of, uh, you're willing to give it up. I I've, I've have a bunch of those on Netflix where it's like four minutes watched. Do you want to continue, <laughs> the continue watching bar yeah. is just like a uh, graveyard of dead specials to me. <laughs> um, is it a pretty straightforward like comedy, just a stand-up special? Yeah, stand-up special. It's kind of uh, bare bones. It starts with applause and he's right there. I know the last, uh, the Mulaney one started with kind of like a bit of him backstage. Yeah. The, not the new kid in town, the, um, I forgot what it's called. Yeah, the newer one, right? Kid, uh... Kid Gorgeous? Kid Gorgeous, that's it. Um, that one was, uh, and again, I don't know what else to say, but that one was really good, made me laugh. (laughs) 
<laughs> so recommend that. That's from 2019. And that's new on Netflix? New on Netflix. Yeah, it just came out, I think, uh, April 30th. Cool. What else have you watched? Uh, the other thing is part of a project that I descri- described to the guys last week. So since I know you're a fan of uh, pr- watching programs, I thought I'd share I, it with you as well. I do like watching <laughs> And you're a fan of lists, so... Oh, I love a list. We had talked about, like, you know, the end of this year is going to be the end of the decade, so we're talking about... There's going to be a bunch of stuff up for best of the decade, and I'm going to take my stab at it. Started with 200, whittled it down in a Google Doc to 100, based on some initial rankings. That is incredible. And then uh, anything I haven't seen, uh, if it's been more than a year or so, I'm going to try to rewatch by the end of the year. Um, Availability notwithstanding. Yeah. Like I, I did a quick scan for what's on your Netflixes, your uh, Primes, your Hooplas, your Jim Jams, your Dooba Doobas. <laughs> some of those may be real by the time of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. We're... So that's what I'm doing. Uh, you know, some of these movies I had ranked high, but like I hadn't seen it since seeing it in the theater in 2011, and that seems so long ago to uh, have it highly ranked. So that being said, I watched three from this past decade that I had in my top 100 initially. Um, first movie I watched, or I guess the first one I'll talk about, is um, the movie Frank. Oh, yeah. Frank. 2014 movie, Lenny Abramson, who did The Room. That was his, uh, I don't know if it's first movie, but his movie before that. Wait, did he do The Room or Room? Room. Yeah. Okay. Brie Larson, not a uh, crazy <laughs> right. quasi-European guy. Tommy Wiseau, that's that guy's name. <laughs> so no Tommy Wiseau here. Oh, so have you seen? Uh, have you seen Frank? I have seen Frank. It was a uh, sort of an impulse watch at one point, and I didn't know anything about it. And uh, I remember thinking it was a it was a good drama, but it also had a single moment of hilarity that is almost unparalleled in the it's it, it's era. Or is that his, top, uh, his happy song? His happy song is one of the funniest things I've ever oh seen. Oh my god. Even when you know it's coming on this rewatch, it's still so good. And the reaction shots from his band <laughs> are really good. So if anyone hasn't seen it, it's like a, a Scottish or English musician, you know, warms his way by happenstance into this band with an unpronounceable name. But the main thing is the lead singer is Michael Fassbender, but you wouldn't know it because he has a giant paper mache head. That he wears all the time. <coughs> and no one in the band has ever seen his face. Right. So they're like a, uh, I don't know, like a Frank Zappa, Captain Beefheart type, like, you know, crazy inspiration goes into the song type band. They record field songs of, like, icicles dripping and, you know, crazy stuff. Right. they like, unwrap string cheese just for percussion. I don't yeah. think they actually do that, but that's, they're, like, the kind of thing There's such happens. a cliche of that type of... Yeah, that type of artist, like they, they have to go off to a cabin out in the woods to record because there's no other way for them to achieve all these sounds. Yep. Um, I, I really like Donald Gleason in that movie. I thought yep. he did a really good job. He's real good. He's kind of uh, he's got a. You really kind of want to punch him by the end of it. I guess on the second rewatch or my first rewatch, I've watched it once. This is my rewatch. <laughs> um, the. The, he's got a sideline that during this whole time of being embedded with this band kind of accidentally um, he's got his uh, he does a social media thing there's like a Twitter on screen avatar of him composing tweets about being in the band uh-huh. 
about all the crazy stuff. That's like going what gets on. them noticed, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, that part is a little more obnoxious than before, than just like natural, you know, human to human drama that's going on, or human to human comedy. It's because then they're also ironic, like jamming out with the band, and no one talks to him, and he tries to write a song, and everyone says like it's shit. <laughs> Um, so that's okay. I really like the opening of the movie when he's trying to write songs and he's looking <laughs> yeah. for inspiration. And I mean, this is the first like two minutes of the movie where he's just he's just trying to look at things out in he goes to like a park or something. Yeah, and, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it. He's but. at a beach and then walking home. The funniest part is he goes like, "Lady in a red coat, <laughs> what are you doing?" <laughs> and then a, another lady goes by, "Lady in a red coat, do you know the lady in the blue coat?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that that part's really funny it's like a voiceover of him just like walking about in the the it, how it's hard to write a song yeah that that part's also really good um, so do you think uh it, you i mean i guess i'm asking for end of the year spoilers but how did frank fare as far as uh is it more in your front hundred or your back hundred probably uh it it started in my the back part of my hundred and from these things, they're either going up or down. This went down a little bit, just because the first watch, it's so... I don't know, there's some shock value to how unique it is, or some kind of... Um, I don't know, some kind of uh, thing that goes... that washes over you about you're transported to something different, and they're on a whole different vibe. So knowing about the vibe, and knowing about the conceit... It uh, it dropped a little in estimation, but it's still it's still a pretty good time. Nothing quite like that first watch on movies like that, where it's just things you <coughs> excuse me, unlike anything you've ever seen. Yeah, where when I watched it, I had heard that they there's a movie that hid Michael Fassbender for <coughs> spoiler pretty much the entire movie. It's like why yep. would you do that? But it's it's pretty good. The other funny part is when uh, they're trying to communicate Frank and Donald. Leeson, and he's like, uh, it'd be a lot easier if you told me, or if I knew what kind of uh, face you had on there. And he's like, okay, how about disarming smile? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And eventually, he like he shows him how to write a song, and he doesn't. He shows uh, Donald Gleason how to write a song, and he's a natural. And he's like, bashful half smile, followed by contented grin. <laughs> this starts to get elaborate. And, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's if if you haven't seen it out there and and La La Land watching this, I would recommend it. What's it on right now? It is on. I watched it on Hulu. Cool, it's on Hulu. What else have you watched? I also watched. Um, <clears throat> I w- with uh, you know we talked about Long Shot last week. So by the time this comes out, this came out the Charlize Theron Seth Rogen movie. Oh, yeah. And I had on my list to rewatch uh, Young Adult. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Diablo Cody, written, Jason Reitman directed, Charlize Theron movie. Patton Oswalt. Yeah, Patton Oswalt in it, you know, famously snubbed for an Oscar. He had a big, like, tweet storm about it. Just being you being, being funny about oh, it. It's okay. like, you know, while the Oscar nominations, I'm over here, you know, like, Albert Brooks is pouring me a shot. Albert Brooks also got snubbed. It's like this whole running thing. But anyway, no one probably remembers that. Uh, young adult is Charlize Theron's like a, a young adult writer of this like Sweet Valley High series, but her name isn't on the book. She gets an invitation from uh, Patrick Wilson, who's an ex high school flame, 
to uh, come to a baby shower, and she decides that they were meant to be together. So she's going to go back to a small town in Minnesota and break up their marriage and that guy's family because she's convinced he's not really happy unless she's with her. It is a pretty caustic and unlikable movie. <laughs> yeah, I remember that aspect yeah. of it. It was I remember it I remember thinking it was a good movie, but mm. I had trouble really liking anyone. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to kind of go by whim instead of how excited I am to see it or I would do like Mad Max Fury Road immediately. Um, this was one of the ones where it's like it's so it is very cringe inducing all the time. Um, but I just went ahead and uh, just dove in headfirst into it. Um, it's, it's pretty good. It's still a pretty unlikable movie that kind of keeps you at a distance. I do like that, uh, you know, not to spoil it, but in these kind of movies, usually the uh, unrepentant asshole gets redeemed by something they do. At the very end, and they become a good person. This doesn't have anything that easy. Yeah. Or is, is really concerned with giving that. So that part is uh, that part's pretty interesting, and Patton Oswalt is pretty great in it. Yeah, really great performances all around in that movie. I just I remember those sticking out to me. It's just the the characters themselves that I um, that it's not that I thought they were poorly written or anything. It was just that I didn't enjoy my time with them very much. No, no, and I'm, I'm trying to push through like unlikable characters are okay as long as it's compelling, and this one really pushes that. The, the farthest I think you can. Yeah. You know, I still think, uh, especially, like, this decade and on, Charlize Theron just is a... She pr- picks brilliant movies. She's killing it. <coughs> and I'm hearing good things about the new movie, too. Yeah, they say it's... Well, it's her first, like, rom-com kind of ever. And, uh, you know, good for her for that. But she picks bold choices, I think. She... she uh, does a lot of action stuff here and there like she's a fast villain and she was an atomic blonde and mad max and also does these like weird kind of uh offshoots sometimes with diablo cody and jason reitman yep because she she also was in my favorite movie of last year telly i don't know if it's still my favorite movie of last year you know it's always always moving target but Mm -hmm. um that one probably also slipped a little in my my ranking telly uh, no, not not Tully. Oh, young yeah. adult. Going back to young adult. Yeah, <clears throat> it's it's a great performance by Char Charlize and by uh, Patton, but I don't know the movie around it is great, as great as they are. Right. In it. And last movie I saw is a uh, pretty much perfect movie. Ooh, <laughs> it, it may is. have even raised an estimation for me. I think I know what this is. I watched. Uh, speaking of uh, tough rewatches, and just diving right into it. I pulled up uh, Prime and watched Short Term 12. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I was uh, mistaken then, but I... Uh, yeah, it's a great movie. It's a really <clears throat> great movie. It really... It's one of those... It's like the year that Manchester by the Sea was my favorite. Sometimes I like a really small story that's just perfectly told, and this is exactly that. It's got a great structure. Everything kind of pays off. Brie Larson is... I think it's the best thing she's done, including... Her Oscar-winning turn in Room. Yeah, she's amazing in this movie. Yeah, all the side characters are great, too. I mean, you have two Oscar winners in it. Rami Malek's in there as guy in his first day. It's like a short-term... Uh, I don't know what, what you even call it. They don't really spend a lot of... Call a lot of attention to it. But it's kind of a... Uh, 
kind of a halfway house for kids who are in danger, either to themselves or from their parents or from from their community. So it's a place that they can stay until they're 18, because then they're no longer minors and uh, can't stay there anymore. And they get therapy from all these... uh, Therapy from uh, professionals, and there's a bunch of kids that either volunteer or work there to help them work out problems, entertain them, or um, <clears throat> sometimes chase them and try to bring them back. You know, there's a conceit that you, they can't touch them once they leave the facility, so they'll just walk with them wherever they're going. Um, this is a great payoff because they the intro the introduction to the movie is a guy telling a story about something that happens in that. And that happens in the middle of the movie. It's, you know, one of the biggest dramatic moments that happens. Brie, Brie Larson follows a girl that really reminds her of herself. And it's kind of working through a lot of stuff. Um, just showing that sometimes uh, the people that... I don't know how to say this articulately without offending anyone who does this, but sometimes the people that can offer the most help often come from broken broken worlds themselves or need help themselves as well Mm -hmm. Um, it's a really deep cast for such a small movie I think Um, like Melora Walters is somebody who pops up in a lot of good movies mm -hmm. and she plays Dr. Hindler in the movie Uh, Stephanie Beatrice yeah from Brooklyn Nine-Nine Rosa Um, she's she's really good as is uh, I think it's one of his first movies is Lakeith Stanfield that's who I was I was gonna point out yeah Lakeith Stanfield really uh, stuck out to me in that movie I thought he was fantastic yeah he is he apparently is based on a 2008 short film that this guy Dustin Cretton did and uh, when he was going to make it into a movie he had a hard time contacting Lakeith Stanfield because he didn't have a phone anymore and he quit acting the kid quit trying to be an actor so like this movie pulled him back into the world and then Atlanta and then Get Out and Sorry to Bother You all that stuff kind of because of this movie a lot, a lot I think a lot of careers like that um, and he has a great one of the greatest scenes of the movie is him you know he, he writes these raps and John Gallagher Jr. from Newsroom is in it too and it's kind of like the cool guy mm-hmm. that kind of hangs out with him he uh, listens to his rap about his, his fear of turning 18 and going back to his mom who's like a uh, drug addicted like sociopath mm-hmm. and it is just like heartbreaking so, yeah it's both heartbreaking and uplifting at the same time I think was in was in my review it makes you feel uh, man it makes you feel everything at the end of that movie uh, I'm guessing that movie maybe ra- rise, rose in your yeah, rankings it's definitely in the top half maybe even like uh, the top quarter of uh, of movies of the decade, which is crazy because it's such a small scale movie, but it just it just nails everything. It really does. Yeah, it really does. So that's available on Prime, it's, and uh, you know, push through the heartbreak, or if you think it's going to be sad, it will be. But you're better than that. You can do it. <laughs> well, I guess that comes to me then. There you go. Well, David, I got to tell you, I've seen some things. Ugh. I've been watching some movies. Lately, uh, I was uh, wasn't on the podcast last week because I was sick, and uh, that's the cover story. And so, when you're sick, you watch movies. That you do, especially when you're sick, where it's like uh, I couldn't talk, mm. and so there's nothing for me to do but just be silent and awake. <laughs> so no call and response movies. No, yeah, <laughs> right. 
I, I, I laid. I didn't even approach like Bandersnatch just in case I had to talk to it at some point. I didn't know if that's how that worked. That's safe. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I'm gonna just quick hit some of these uh, if you want to do sure. timestamps. Um, I'm gonna start with a 2017 Oscar-nominated movie that I watched, The Greatest Showman. Oh. Is he? Um, I like to always start off with saying nice things about movies. Okay. Uh, that movie is a great soundtrack. No, that's, that's what I hear. Wonderful songs. I like the, the their big song that was Oscar nominated was very a very winning song. Yeah, the performances or two are, are all pretty good. It's uh, there's one moment in the movie. I think my favorite performance was uh, it's between it's a uh, Zac Efron and Zendaya duet mm-hmm. called Rewrite the Stars. I don't know if that's... I don't even remember which got nominated for the Oscar. I think the song uh, that got nominated was the Bearded Lady song. Oh, like This Is Me or this something? This Is Me, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, they're all good songs. It's an excellent set of songs. It's a, They are all attached to an awful movie. <laughs> Just a terrible movie with... Uh, don't let Kelly hear you. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, we should have We should have put a warning ahead of this, but... To be fair, I think uh, Kelly loves the music most of all in right. the movie. I don't know if she would have attached herself, you know, so fondly to this movie if uh, there was no singing in it. Yeah, probably not. So, um, I recommend the soundtrack, and that's as far as I can go oh. on Greatest Showman. So how's uh, Hugh Jackman in it? He's like human charisma. He's there. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's there. It's uh, As I, you can tell, I have not seen this movie. Right. He was actually a little disappointing for me. Like I said, I like the I like Zac Efron and Zendaya in the movie, and that's a, about it. Mm. Um, it's a story that's not that compelling. Um, at times, I wasn't even sure what was happening, despite kind of already knowing the story of P.T. Barnum, which seems difficult to have me confused at times. I think they, not that this is a barometer, but it's also factually inaccurate. Like, they give him a lot of credit for doing stuff he didn't do and not being the unrepentant like racist piece of shit <laughs> that took advantage of people that he was yeah like i said i think they they found a concept this i think what this would have been a great concept album mm. to record and just put out that way that would have been interesting but hugh jackman presents right the greatest showman uh i saw swiss army man Oh yeah, I've been thinking about that movie a lot. I saw your review of Swiss Army Man, which was, uh, yeah, it, boy, this this that movie's out there. I don't know. I don't know. First off, I don't know what the point of Swiss Army Man is <laughs> at all. It is a bafflingly strange movie, um, but weirdly entertaining. And I was, I got done with that movie, and I was glad to be done of it. But at the same time, I was. It was weird how entertained I was by all the farting in that movie. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's the kind of thing, like, the review I did was, like, immediately upon finishing it. And you're, you're right. It's, like, a it's a chore at some point. It's a little, like, grating. But the more distance I have from it, the more I, like, am impressed by it and want to revisit it. I really like the soundtrack. Like, the largely, completely a- acapella. Yes. Like, uh hundreds of voices yes. put together. I, I was just thinking about it recently because, you know, I am at a, putting uh, putting my, my daughter to sleep. She's young. You, you know, we sing her songs and sometimes I run out of things. And I started doing the Swiss Army Man Cotton Eye Joe. 
because it just sounds so tender the way they do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been meaning to uh, <clears throat> rewatch that. It's, it's, yeah, it's it is it does it is a great score score voice score. I don't know what you would call know. it. I don't know what that. And they do I like the. Uh, I just I like the score how it pulls in things like they do the Jurassic Park theme. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's so. That movie, I'm so glad I don't have to, like, try to describe the plot of that movie to anyone. I mean, it is basically a guy is stranded on an island, maybe, and he is about to kill himself, and he finds a dead body. Uh, And the guy, the guy stranded is played by, um... Radcliffe, right? No, the, 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 the... Oh, Paul Dano. Paul Dano. And Paul Dano, as always, goes 100% Yeah, he is full and committed. He may still be there. <laughs> For all we know. And then the dead body is Daniel Radcliffe, who yeah. gets to do a surprising amount of acting. He's actually pretty good. <laughs> body, and he is really good it's in the movie. Degree of difficulty, like, pretty good. It's up there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I recommend it, question mark? Yeah. You may need to maybe do a little research to see if this movie's up your alley. That's true. This, this movie is not going to be for a lot of people. Yeah, I know. I think talk to... Uh, I can't remember what his stance on. I think I remember talking to Rob about it sometime at Trivia. And that movie just provokes... Rage. A, opposite extreme reactions, I feel like. Oh, yeah. I couldn't remember if he loved it or hated it, but it was one of them. I could definitely <laughs> see most people either really loving or really hating this movie. Yeah. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle, but yeah. it's some pretty impressive uh, direction. Um, it's directed by the Daniels. I saw that, which is a reference to their first names. Yeah. It's, it's like two, two guys. guys just directing team. Yep. I don't think they've ever done. They haven't done anything since. I remember, like oh, it's it's impressive and creative movie for what it is. Yeah, I mean, it, at times, laugh out loud funny. Yeah, when he when he rods the dead body like a. Like a dolphin, <laughs> it's it's. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you, you have to laugh because it's so dumb. I might have to rewatch this now. <laughs> I don't think it's making my top hundred though. Yeah, it would be a stretch to put it there. Um, I watched a movie from the previous decade. Uh, there's one director that I'm I'm getting kind of close to filling in everything on, and uh, and that's Paul Thomas Anderson. Ooh. So I kind of I recently revisited the master and I got a better feel for it and a better appreciation. I for did it. too. I, I talked about it on last week's podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I still need to hit Inherent Vice and I still need to see the early stuff. But there was another glaring omission for me, and it was Punch Drunk Love. Ah. And I finally watched Punch Drunk Love, and I really liked it. It's a, uh, it's an kind of a marches to the an odd beat. I would say that movie. It's kind of an odd movie yeah um it's the tone of the movie is off a little bit and i'm not saying it's wrong i'm saying it's off it's just like unusual yeah Um, it's like uh the 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 rhythm's all wrong in a song or the drum beat is like syncopated wrong there's great stuff in it uh but and they do that on purpose obviously well because it's it's his inner uh beat is completely off like it's just Ticking rage, except when he's around uh, this new woman that he meets. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I don't know. I kind of love the message of the movie, though, which is that you know, falling in love can give you 
can unlock powers in yourself that you didn't know you had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see that in the movie. And it can also bring peace that you can't find anywhere else in your life. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's a really sweet movie, despite being so strange with like the side plot of the uh the phone sex line yeah and the extortion and going the, on in the confrontation yeah it's like so sweet and lovely punctuated by like rage and uh like just disturbed behavior i mean if, if that's all just a reason to get philip seymour hoffman into this movie i'm all for it because he's great the confrontation he's got scene like a minute in that movie it's, it's amazing great. yeah it's it's amazing but uh but yeah, I was. Uh, I've I've heard good things about the movie forever, and I I thought it was about time I watch it. Um, it's kind of one of those lesser in scope PTA movies, but it's. I think yeah, it's it's very <clears> rewarding. <throat> I need to rewatch it again. I think the last time I watched it was I went to the theater with my dad to go see it. Oh wow! And yeah, he fucking hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, because it's like, what is Happy Gilmore doing? <laughs> Yeah, don't what get is going on. I'm sure this movie disappointed a lot of Adam Sandler fans in yeah. 2002. I would have been like, uh, what would I have been like 17 then? So he said, like, I hated that movie. What a piece of crap! And I was just 17 and and secretly loving it. I was <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know about that movie. <laughs> I mean, what's Adam Sandler coming off when he's making that? Is he coming off like like, like Big, Big Daddy? Daddy? Yeah, Big Daddy. Mr. Maybe Deeds. Yeah, I think Deeds is right before. Because this is 2002? This is 2002, yes. Yeah, like Deeds, Little Nicky, Big Daddy. I mean, he's just like box office gold with that one, you know, style of Adam Sandler performance. Mm -hmm. And then, come on out and see Punch Drunk Love. And people are thinking it's going to be the next wacky Adam Sandler movie. And it's a wacky movie, but not in the way they're accustomed to. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I I think it goes without saying, but... The uh, it's the number one for Adam Sandler's career for me. It's his best performance. Yeah, yeah. It's actually kind of made me a little bit sad that he kind of never got more roles like this because mm-hmm. he has a talent for it, but he also has a talent for just making oodles of money. Yeah, <laughs> making While the doing other movies. Vacation with all of his like SNL buddies. Right. So I get it. I get it. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, uh, moving on, I watched a 2018 movie that, there's a good chance this would have snuck onto the back end of my top ten list last year. Mm-hmm. Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, Crazy. TJ, uh, or, uh, Chris talked about it last week. I think you're the last person now we've completed the quartet Woo! of Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Man, what I just, just, I mean, uh, you know, I don't mean perfect and, like, greatest of all time, but just a, a perfect little rom-com that's a excursion movie you know yeah it, it's and it's uh it's just so fun to be in it is i wanted to spend more time in that movie yeah yes. it really like immerses you too in a culture like i know nothing about i know about like the the countries and whatnot i know some history but the actual culture the day-to-day the what the, what they find important what they you know what they value and all that stuff it was fascinating to be in the middle of that and just it is just like lifestyle porn like being at, at like those amazing buildings with everyone mm-hmm. amazing costumes and suits and stuff 
the movie it just had life you know like it had a vibrancy to it that just popped off the screen to me and I remember from the moment I started the movie I had no desire to pick up a phone or like look at a tablet or mm. or you know uh, do anything else while while watching that movie I just wanted to watch more of that movie everything was so pretty yeah it's just beautiful fun <laughs> including uh, Henry Golding that's he, a pretty man he's a beautiful man um really great cast too um I did see somebody uh I did see one review that said uh this movie is uh proof positive that Ken Jeong is uh perfect in the tiniest doses <laughs> cause it does it pretty it limits yeah. it lets him go full Ken Jeong but it it cuts that after a while. Like, they gave him a couple improv lines. Yeah. But it's, yeah. A little little John, John goes a long way. <laughs> yep. Um, everybody raved about Aquafina in that movie. I thought she was great. Really, really funny. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. More more praise getting lavished on uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Did, uh, did Chris love it? Yeah. Yeah, he did too. Um, so we all give it a thumbs up. Yeah, if you haven't watched that, watch it. Also, I feel like it's the kind of movie I could recommend to just anyone. Absolutely. Uh, the next movie I watched, a 2013 movie that has uh, definitely made a huge impact on the industry. Uh, it's The Conjuring. Oh, yeah. Launched a whole universe of movies. Have you seen The Conjuring? I've seen The Conjuring in theaters with, with Chris and uh, mm-hmm. our dad. Nice. Did you your liked, dad like you it? You liked this one, did like, yeah. Did you like it? I did, uh, yeah, it was um, a lot of horror movies, like, up until that point, or maybe within the last 20 years, you like you know exactly what's going on, and it's hard to actually spook you, mm-hmm. but this gives me the same kind of feels that, like, Haunting of Hill House did. It's uh-huh. like, you feel really frightened, and you're filled with dread the whole time. Yeah, one of those kind of movies. I didn't quite get. Well, okay, I think I I got there a little bit with the with the scariness. Mm. For me, this is kind of like this should be the line for me. Where if a, if I like a movie better than The Conjuring, I'm fully prepared to say it's a it's a great horror movie. And if I don't, then it's it's below the mark for me. Mm. I kind of like The Conjuring just as my like middle of my spectrum sort of horror your, movie. Your murder doza line. Yes. <laughs> um, it was it was like a, it was it was pretty good. It was it was fine. It was uh, had some scary moments and didn't have a whole lot else that really compelled me other than just waiting on those moments to come yeah, around. Do you I think uh, just remembering it I only saw it in theaters which any theater experience of the horror movie is going to be a little elevated. Stamped up, for sure. Yeah, I remember not really connecting or caring at all about the family, which is kind of a, an important part. Something that, uh, just for example, bringing it up, Haunting of Hill House does really well. Yes. Makes you care about people that are being terrified. I remember it's like Ron Livingston and just like a bunch of... The, the kids are Lily, okay. Lily Taylor? Yeah, Lily Taylor's in it. But I don't think the movie takes a lot of care with them. It's not really about the characters, so I get that. Um, it's the spectacle, and it's the uh, what's what's the uh, couple's name? They're they um, have their own universe yeah, now. The... But Patrick Wilson again and uh, Vera Farmiga. <clears throat> the movie seems really impressed with their coolness or their like vibe that like this family is being terrorized is kind of fodder for them. Yeah. 
Well, like I said, I'm, I'm getting... This was a, a big blind spot. I'm, I'm always... Uh, I'm always... Uh, well, I, I'm not a person who just grabs onto the horror movies every year. Mm-hmm. I kind of need some steering into what the best ones are, for the oh, most yeah. part. I like, need, like, a uh, the year that someone said, like, the smart horror movie is It Follows, or Babadook's The One, or The Witch. Tell me the one that's kind of, like, elevated. Yeah. I like elevated horror. I'm, I'm not the kind of horror fan that'll just see any slasher or any, like, torture porn thing just because it's horror. This feels... And when you say elevated, some of those movies, I think they have bigger themes at play. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I really like them. I really like The Babadook because it is about something more than just this monster in this house. Sure. And Get Out and other horror movies in recent years I love for those reasons It Follows also has a, a larger theme at play and I think that's that's what I consider elevated horror this movie is unelevated is, horror yeah, for me but it's well done unelevated horror yeah it's it's missing that extra level but it's just professional enough mm-hmm. and effective enough that I think it's you know I think it's worthwhile alright well uh Caught up on another movie that I'd always heard good things about. 2009 movie, Sam Rockwell movie, Moon. Ah. I, uh, so my wife wasn't a big fan of Moon when she saw it, and Mm. I've heard that also from someone else. Maybe TJ wasn't a big fan? I can't remember. But, uh, that, uh, Moon was described as slow, um, which I didn't really completely agree with, but also maybe probably didn't love Moon as much as a lot of people. Have you mm-hmm. seen Moon? I have seen Moon. I remember being over the moon about it Ooh. at the time, but uh, it's kind of <clears throat> not to spoil it, but there is a twist to it. Yeah, that a lot of people that are into that kind of thing, I think, go extra enthusiastic for it. I do think that's the highlight of the movie is the discovery of that mm-hmm. of that aspect and that element. Um, I feel like once that happens it's kind of not as thrilling afterward they're kind of playing out the string there of yeah. like the logical conclusion right in my memory yeah and I, I, I that's the that's kind of how I felt I thought I can kind of see where this is going it doesn't feel like it's gonna well, uh, I won't spoil it for anyone out there who's who's still wanting to check it out. Sure, yeah, ten it's, years it's, later. it's kind of minor enough that it does have like that kind of cult following to it mm-hmm. um, that maybe some people haven't seen that maybe that it may totally be your jam. But uh, it, I think it's more interesting that it is good. If that's yes. not too damning, I would almost compare, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna seem like a weird comparison. It reminds me a little bit of Bronson. And in, in that, it is a great acting showcase for a great actor mm-hmm. that I don't know how much I love the, the story of the movie as much as I am wowed by the performance. Because Rockwell, thanks to the twist, gets to do a lot yeah. in the movie. And so I am uh, a big fan of his performance in that movie. I'm kind of surprised he wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, it may have just been too small. <clears throat> yeah, um, I don't think it did a lot of a lot of business at the time. Right. Yeah, I know Oscar likes likes uh, recognizing some small movies, but like you said earlier, sometimes they're too small. Like Short Term Twelve is just yeah. too small, and Room may have been or Moon may have been uh, too 
small as well. It is the original uh, gold brick winner by Film Spotting. Oh, uh, they're nice. overlooked or underrated uh, movie. Well, after Brick. Yeah. Yeah, the, the one that it's named for. Yeah. Um, well, moving on. This is a movie that I probably should have mentioned earlier. I went to see Avengers Endgame. And oh, they ended that game. Let me tell you, David. They ended the game. <laughs> the game is over. <laughs> game ended. That's my review. <laughs> um, no, I... I've been vocal on the podcast at times, and I know I'm in the minority generally in my uh, lack of effusive praise, is the way I would put it, for Infinity War. Mm -hmm. I felt that Infinity War had an ending that demanded more of an emotional response for me than it, it earned, especially knowing how narrative storytelling works over a mm -hmm. series that... I just wasn't worried about a lot of the ramifications. It's almost, uh, yeah, the end of uh, Infinity War is almost condescending. Like, this is super serial. It's like, everybody's dead, right? Yeah. It's like, dude, I see right behind your back. You're holding, you know, you're crossing your fingers back there. It's like, no, I'm not. They're dead. Well, it's like, yeah, I mean, say goodbye to Spider-Man. Also, <laughs> when you leave the theater today, uh, feel free to... Buy an advance ticket to Spider-Man Far From Home coming also, out in theaters next summer. Also one of the most lucrative movies of all time, Black Panther, that got Marvel their first Best Picture nomination. Yeah, we're just going to kill him off. Yeah. Done. Ending <laughs> that storyline. Um, so... I still liked it, though. <laughs> and I, I liked it. I felt that, I, like I said, I carefully worded it as like a lack of effusive praise. Mm. Not... Not a strong dislike for the movie. Um, I just was put off a little bit by the way it was an entire movie setting up another movie. Mm -hmm. And, like, Infinity War will kind of never just stand on its own. It will always be just a precursor to Endgame, I think. <laughs> um, at least in the way that, like, the first Avengers movie is, just stands on its own. It's its own self-contained story. And Ultron, which is not a great movie... Mm -hmm. is, is but is at least a self-contained story mm -hmm. um, but uh, Endgame for all the faults that I had in, uh, that I thought Infinity War had Endgame completely fixed them all uh, we get to spend so much time with characters in this movie mm -hmm. in a way that Marvel rarely lets us do um, I, I loved it I really loved it yeah, I feel like uh, Infinity and some of the other Avengers movie if you spend more than two time two minutes straight with a character it's like on the next shot yeah and and it's there, there's there's so many fight sequences that you know there's that sort of marvel uh formula of i feel like you need about three fights in each marvel movie and yeah, at a nondescript like gray concrete location yeah um well sadly <laughs> endgame does stick with the very grayness of marvel perfect okay they're not breaking that tradition but uh other than that it's uh i really love the character development the way the movie lets us understand what these characters have gone through since the end of infinity war and uh the payoffs the emotional payoffs are all completely earned i think in mm -hmm. the movie and uh after kind of shitting on infinity war last year relatively to, to the general consensus I uh 
am glad to uh, bear the torch for it this <clears throat> for Endgame this time around. So cool, big fan. Uh, so yeah, if you if you were on the fence as to whether you were going to see the biggest movie in theater history. Let me sway you. <laughs> you have to either be trying to do that on purpose, or you have a kid. <laughs> right. And that kid isn't aged five or up. I was going to say, yeah, if you have a kid of a certain age, it makes Probably it even easier. It, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely... <laughs> it feels weird saying I recommend Avengers Endgame. Even if I hated the movie, I would probably still recommend it. It's so big. Yeah, how, can, such... you, how can you not see it? <laughs> You need to know. Everybody it seems needs un-American to, not to you, have seen it. You need to see the biggest money-making movie of all time. Just in general, I if feel you, like that's always. If you the have case. any money in your wallet or your bank account, <clears throat> you should appreciate Endgame. Yes. Well, uh, talking about that, not to belabor this. I haven't seen it, but I've seen Infinity War. You know, they used to say Marvel had a villain problem for like almost ten years. All their villains were kind of. Except for Loki, kind yeah. of uh, not fun. And the last couple ones, I haven't seen Captain Marvel. I don't think it has a great villain from no, what I've heard. it does not. But Black Panther had Killmonger. I love uh, them. Thor Ragnarok had fun uh, fun villains, I think. Or that movie was just fun. The movie was and fun. Kate Blanchett fell a little flat for me in that movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, I really loved the first half villain, which is... Well, it's, it's like... I guess it's the... Uh, what's his name? The, is he the collector? No, he's not. He's the collector's <laughs> brother. Yeah, uh, Jeff Goldblum, right? Yeah, Jeff Goldblum. It's like a game master or something. A game, yeah. Um, game warden. But we are. You have, you have people him. are yelling at us right now. <laughs> yeah, we're sorry. You have him and then you have Thanos, a great villain. Yes. I wonder if, like, after a run of some decent villains, if Marvel has an action problem. Because oh. I just heard, uh, I just heard another... Um, podcast about uh, Endgame, because all of them are about Endgame right now, um, saying that the, right after watching Endgame, he went home and he watched Infinity War, but he fast-forwarded through every action scene, and he said it was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so there's... Uh, Endgame does a good job of consolidating the action a bit more, mm-hmm. um, and it's good, but it's Marvel good, so it's it's nothing you haven't seen before, really. Mm-hmm. You're mostly just the thing. Like, think of action scenes as B in the equation of A plus B equals C, and you're mm-hmm. just you're mostly just it entertains you for a bit with you know bright colors and flashes and you know a camera buzzing about until you see where the C winds up. Yeah, here, here's an experiment. I don't know what the answer is going to be, but what is your favorite Marvel movie? Let's say before Endgame. I've been kind of struggling with this a little bit. Um, I think, you know, for a long time my standard answer was the Avengers. Uh, just because of the fun of getting a handful of super mm-hmm. uh, superheroes together and letting them, turning them loose in New York City and letting them fight. And I thought that was fun. Uh, but over time, I, I wonder if it's just the sheer comedy of Ragnarok that may overtake everything. I really love, just as a straight comedy, I love Thor Ragnarok. Um, so let's say in this just in this example, in this test, let's, let's think both of them. What is your favorite scene in those movies? Well, in the Avengers, I, I suppose it actually is the, the, 
the Battle of New York. Okay. I like the action in the Avengers because I think it was the first taste of that sort of mm-hmm. action that I'd had. Everybody in it all together yes. at the same time. But in Ragnarok, it's the opposite. It's all the scenes with uh, Taika Waititi's character. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, even like Thor and Hulk hanging out in the training facility. Yeah, or them in the apartment later on. Right. I love those scenes done together. So, it's definitely not anything on Asgard, because that's all pretty boring. That just kind of runs together for me. Yeah. The, the big fight at the end. Um, but, yeah, in fact, I, there aren't many Avengers, or there aren't many Marvel movies in recent years where a fight has been... The best scene? No. I mean... Some of Definitely. Black Panther had some good fights, I thought. They had some good fights, but... I don't know if they're the highlights. I wouldn't though. say, yeah, it was the highlight. My favorite is Guardians, and the Guardians fights... Definitely not the best part no. of the movie. I've forgotten them already. Yeah. Uh, I'll quickly buzz through the last few movies. I'm going to pair these last two together, um, or, or these two together. I watched a 1995 movie and a 2017 movie... What could they have anything to do with each other? One was called Jumanji, and one was called Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. There it is. Um, They're both entertaining. Uh, I like the new one better. Ah. It's funnier. The the other one is a fine kids movie. doesn't really have... It's not the kind of kids movie that has a lot of value for adults, I don't think. And didn't right. really do a lot for me. Um, it was fine. It was entertaining in spots. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably just watch it with nostalgia goggles on. Yeah, I guess that's missing for me, because I don't think I saw it as a kid. Ah. Um, even though I was the right age for it, I was uh, I would have been 11, probably, when I that remember, movie came out. Yeah, I remember seeing it and, and being really young, and the effects blew my mind. It's like, this is the best it'll ever be. Well, the effects are actually... <laughs> well, the effects are pretty good, except for the monkeys. And boy, they keep going back to those monkeys over they're and over disturbing again. They're disturbing. They're really bad. They're, yeah. they're like... Uh, Everything else, I'm just like, oh, this is not bad. Even though you, in the back of your head, you're thinking, this is two years after Jurassic Park, and <laughs> that's this a good point. Pales pretty badly in comparison to that. But their budget wasn't Steven Spielberg's and budget. Jurassic Park didn't have to do hair. That's true. That's hard. <laughs> that's true. But uh, for the most part, like the rhinos, the all the other uh, animals that are in the first Jumanji, they look pretty good. Mm-hmm. But the boy, those monkeys, those uh, like monkeys that are there for comedic effect they steal the police car and whatnot mm. they have they look really bad in their face area <laughs> uh, the face is wrong it looks like the same animators who animated the new Sonic oh god <laughs> that's what it reminded me of <laughs> so um, anyway I lightly recommend those movies and then uh, one last movie that I watched 1999 movie Eyes Wide Shut. Ooh. I admit I've never seen it. Ooh. You should watch it. Uh, I think I have it. I got a Kubrick collection, mm-hmm. but I've never I've never gotten around to that one or Barry Lyndon. I think I've seen everything else. This was probably my second watch. It was much better than I remember it being. Mm. I, um, I think because I think the marketing on that movie ruined it for me the first time. I think it was marketed as like an erotic thriller, mm-hmm. and the movie is not sexy at all. It's like cold, right? It's very cold, and it's very, yeah, it's, you feel very distant, and it doesn't feel sexy at all. Mm-hmm. It's not that kind of movie. And it is a massive disappointment if you're looking for that kind of movie. But 
as a movie about jealousy, it's pretty interesting. Um, Nicole Kidman is fantastic in the first 40 minutes of that movie. One of the best performances of her career, I mm. think. Uh, just just in the beginning. And then it is mostly just Tom Cruise not being able to handle the fact that his woman or that his wife once had a uh, uh, a fantasy about another man. That's pretty much it. That's the whole movie. That is <laughs> damn man. That is <laughs> she she admits to once having a fantasy like a year a year before this movie takes place. She admits I had a fantasy of, about a year ago about this this man we saw at a hotel. And she's saying it to kind of like get him because she kind of felt jealous towards him for quote unquote flirting with some women at a party mm-hmm. even though he really wasn't and so it's just sort of a both sides tit for tat make yeah him like, feel like I'll, I'll make him feel I'll take him down a peg uh, but boy she really does take him down further than she realizes so at that point he's just like okay well the only logical thing to do at this point is uh, go look for a sex cult <laughs> so uh yeah um <laughs> What a Kubrickian turn. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it is very Kubrickian. The music in the movie is fantastic. It's, uh, uh, I really liked it. It's a really good movie. Um, I've been meaning to finally see it because uh, I've been enjoying the 20-year retrospective stuff. So you got your your matrices, your you know, bunch of teen movies that came out in 99, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of reappraisals of stuff. But, uh, you know, Eyes Wide Shut kind of, everyone was kind of closed off to it at the time. 20 years later, I think it's, it's uh, achieved, like, hidden gem status. <laughs> I guess it's a Kubrick movie, so hidden in plain sight. Who knew we would feel ickier about watching uh, American Beauty than we do watching Eyes Wide Shut 20 years later? Well, then again, I guess, I guess we, sh- we probably should always have felt a little icky about American Beauty. I forgot about the whole, he wants to bang his daughter's friend. Yeah, aspect, but uh, but yeah, eyes wide shut. It's uh, I recommend it. Um, again, a movie that I didn't really care for when I saw it fifteen years ago, but I strongly care for it this time. <laughs> that is the end of my extensive watch list, my sick list. So uh, sick, sick. You want to do a quick reality roundup? Reality roundup, Survivor. Well, it's been an entertaining, like, three weeks on Survivor. It has like. been. I feel like it's been three weeks in a row of, I am running this game, I'm gone. <laughs> That's yep. got to be like the, uh, there used to be a thing in Top Chef, it's like, if it's your birthday, you're going to leave, where they have, like, a scene, everyone gives you a cake on Top Chef, and then it's like, please pack your knives and go. That's, like, the equivalent of this. I guess the, this probably predates that Top Chef thing by quite some time. Yeah, I, uh... <laughs> Yeah, it it really it really has been. Um, I uh, really loved the War Dog exit when that happened because uh, I think he he certainly put a stamp on the first early part of the game, but I think that was what got him booted. He put too yeah. much of a stamp on the early part. Too of the much game. of a heavy hand. Kind of like uh, Dom did. Not even as heavy as Dom, but that's kind of how Dom lost it in the end. Yeah. But this week, though, boy, I loved the way Devin's handled that whole thing. Like, he knew it was coming. He knew it. He knew that was a bogus thing because, and, 
you know, I was talking to uh, occasional uh, member of the podcast, Al, about this, and he said, where do you think Ron went wrong? And I said, well, Ron really went wrong thinking this was too big to give as a gift. I think that's the problem. Yeah. This was too, this was such a huge thing that if it's real, why in the world would he let anybody have that? Yeah. <laughs> Which Devin's immediately probably realized was the case. Yeah, or else he wouldn't have, like, went out and found the immunity idol, which yeah. he did. But the way he set that up, and the way he just dressed down Ron and Julie, Julie especially. He could have just played the, the idol he knew was real, but you know he did it just to slam dunk on some people for some performative jury stuff, and they Absolutely. were eating it up. Oh my god, yes. And, and that's, the, that's what you do with that, because Ron had that. Um, he could have used that in different ways. But he used it to try to dunk on Devin's. Mm-hmm. Instead, he got rejected. The ball was stolen away from him, and Devin's dunked on him instead. Because mm-hmm. he used that for great theatrical purpose. It was it was a brilliant travel council. Yeah, Devin's is getting into Christian status for me. Of just like, I just love. His play, I love him so much. I'm unabashedly rooting for him to win this season. I, I know he's do not. think he's doomed. He is. <laughs> everybody out there should know and should know by now. He is playing by far the best game of anyone. Yeah, like Christian, he is too beautiful for us to keep forever. <laughs> yeah, this is this is what he needs to be fast tracked to a returnee season with Christian and Davy and all these people that mm. um, are just a joy to watch because he is. Such a joy. He's such a great storyteller for the season, too. Mm-hmm. That um, really, really am a big fan. Um, anything else from this week that's really... There's no extinction to talk about. That was about. kind of it. I mean, it was pretty... Yeah, they didn't really do much in extinction other than showing Ron at the end. Saying, you know, he really hates that they voted for him. <laughs> Being cradled by, like, Reem. It's like, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, before we get to Breezy, you and I have not really had a chance to talk about, well, I guess we've had a chance, we just haven't shown up for, That's our, true. for our chance to talk about Game we of Thrones. We have been invited, we just have not attended. Uh, and I definitely don't want to spend long on this, because uh, I think Chris and TJ are doing a fantastic job breaking they, down. They do. It's the first, I mean, I may be biased, but it's the first podcast I listen to after, uh, I listen to a couple for Game of Thrones it's one of the first ones I because I just want to know what they think and they do a great job of like adding the extra show stuff <clears throat> in there yeah um, but we'll keep it simple are you enjoying the season we're halfway done I am yeah uh, it's still my peak so far of the season is the second uh, episode me too that's a that's an episode that is probably in my top 10 Game of Thrones episodes yeah almost certainly I would say it might be even towards my top five I love the I loved everything in that episode just so much. Everything except for uh, Grey Worm and Masande planning their beach vacation, <laughs> which I felt was over the top optimism. I thought before. it was like, well, of course they're going to die. This is just like the one last job before I take the SS. I'm going to die. Yeah, you know, people always talk about <laughs> people talk about Game of Thrones. You know, always subverts your expectations when it comes to character deaths. Mm-hmm. It definitely did when Grey Worm was still standing at the end of that battle because they set it up perfectly for one of the two of them 
to die a horrific death. Why in the world did they make yeah. beach plans? But uh, that's a good segue to just maybe talk about. You know, some people are not impressed. They were, you know, there's death pools about who's going to survive this episode. Some people had like half of the show gone, like a Thanos snap. But to me, I think it is it is subverting a subversion. <laughs> yeah. So in in its way, in its way, it is a subversion to keep these guys alive. You can like Game of Thrones invented this way to watch television, where you're expecting to be hurt every episode. Yeah. So to subvert that is, it's kind of the logic that everybody loves. It's just they want the same subversion over and over again, which is not subversion. Not to get too semantic right. about it. Right. No, I get what you're saying, and I agree. Uh, also, feel like uh, the characters that died at the beginning—they weren't random deaths. They were deaths because those characters were inflexible in ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ned was inflexibly good. Uh, Rob was inflexibly honorable, like his father, mm-hmm. and um, Joffrey inflexibly—you know—monstrous. Tywin unflexible in his, you know, <clears throat> logical cruelty. Whereas everyone else has had to pretty much learn to move around. Except for Cersei, who has suffered so much more tragedy than her own death probably would have given her right. over the years. So, in a way, I think I think this is just a show about people who have learned to survive in this conflict. So it doesn't make sense to kill them randomly. I think the deaths were for were given to characters who had kind of completed their arcs already. Like, mm-hmm. nobody is dying with story left untold really um, and I think those are I think that's why those, it was kind of easy to predict that John and Daenerys would make it through the battle unscathed pretty much because they still have work to do this the show's not a show anymore if 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 there's no one to march south after this right and I'm, I'm I am glad that they're taking this take I know some people also don't like it that the you know the big existential threat to humanity should be at the end, but to me, I mean, Game of Thrones has shown its homework the whole time. It's shown its work of the true horror is going to be man time and time again, and it's going to be the machinations and the you know who you are accumulating power with, the deals you make that are the most important thing in this world, not a secret cheat code in a you know citadel book. Well, it, you know, this was the the last good prediction I will ever make on Game of Thrones because I it, it was in the preseason. I predicted. I don't know if I was. I don't know if I managed to get this onto a podcast. Sadly, I may not have been able to. But I predicted that the Night King would fall at Winterfell in the third episode mm-hmm. because it, nothing else really made sense to me. It didn't make sense for him. Like it's it's too busy if the Night King and the Walkers win this battle and march south. Well, first off, if they win this battle and march south, they just win. The math is not going to work out to any other way. Yeah. I don't think there's any beating them at that it's point. It's like, you know, every battle they win, their army doubles. Right. <laughs> By the way, which makes the Dothraki uh, moment of uh, Leroy Jenkins in it to begin <laughs> this thing really dumb because... <laughs> Really don't think you should attack these guys in waves <laughs> for that simple purpose. But um, but no, like, if we had to deal with all that we still got to deal with, plus a zombie horde marching south, then 
A, what is the point of this first three episodes? Like, mm-hmm. all the lead-up to the Battle of Winterfell signaled that it was going to be a major, major turning point. And I don't think it made sense for the Walkers to just win a battle and move on right there. Right. Especially wiping out all the heroes we care about. So, I think there at least has to be some kind of a nice ending to this story. Yeah. Um, Plus, it's just, if, if, you know, they lose this battle and they retreat and they do this all over again, how redundant is that going to feel? And how much of a waste of, like, these are your last final hours of the show. You've probably spent more than, you know, I think it's, like, going to be 74 plus hours, but everyone's probably rewatched it. It's like probably double that amount of time you put in. You really want just like, okay, let's do that again, but smaller. Well, yeah. It's <laughs> to also, close out the show. I think I read they spent 55 nights filming the Battle of Winterfell. <laughs> um, to do that, and then to, for two episodes later, to just be like, uh, hey, you remember that fight two episodes ago? This one's even bigger. <laughs> like, forget all about that fight that we spent $100 million on. Well, you say that, but there was an interview, I think, uh, Amelia Clark said that the battle in episode five is bigger than this one. Well, I think that's fine, but, but it needs to be different. It's a different one, yeah. Right. Because if they had spent all that money on two giant, like, hour and a half fights against zombie hordes, I would have been pretty disappointed. I'll be watching the second one, because you know they're reusing some digital resources. Yeah. So, uh... That was the same guy. <laughs> He's doing the same thing. It's apparently been a big year for cameos um, of uh, people playing dead soldiers. Yeah. Uh, Chris Stapleton was the uh, <laughs> was he made an appearance in the Battle of Winterfell. He was a uh, a fallen uh, soldier of the North who wakes with blue eyes hmm. in, in the the scene of of the cool the uprising. Unless anyone tells me that those always go undetected, unless it's Ed Sheeran he's singing. That's <laughs> true. Uh, anyway, I'm liking the I'm liking the season so far. It's I'm good. into it. I'll watch the rest. It's got one, I think, masterpiece episode and uh, one fun fight, and then uh, one that was kind of a throwaway episode for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, sure. So it's it's hit all the levels of Game of Thrones for me personally. What a great season to close. <laughs> yep, to be completely, been, it's been perfect. Completely representation representational. Well, do we have any breezy? Or are the streets just uh, <laughs> silent? I've just like less than thirty second hits on just a couple things. Uh, first, R.I.P. to some legends uh, here. Yeah, we have uh, John Singleton. We talked about last week that he had a stroke and was in a coma, and they said he was going to be doing better, and he sadly passed away. Again, you know, we talked about it last week and talking about this, but really influential director, Boys in the Hood. You know, crazy influential, and as a black filmmaker, to get the kind of respect he did at the age. It was a real trailblazer. See the first uh, African American director nominated, yeah, for best director, all the way in 1991. He was super young at the time, right? Isn't he the youngest director? Uh, he was. It's either him or Chazelle, maybe. Okay, uh, I can't remember, but I think he was he was still in his 20s. Yeah, when he got nominated for best director. Yeah, he's a, he's a big blind spot. He for may me. have been like 24 even. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think I've seen Four Brothers, and I think that's the only movie of his that I've seen. Yeah, I don't know much else. So, and uh, other R.I.P. Obviously, 
Yeah, I wish I could do it. I wish I had some sound effects or something. Nope, that doesn't make the sound. <laughs> Peter Mayhew. Yeah. Chewbacca. Gentle Giant. Passed away. Yeah, I, I said this on, on Twitter yesterday that uh, it's hard it's hard to bring personality to a role where you don't get to say any words mm. or use your face mm-hmm. at all. But I think he managed to do it. Like, he kind of created a personality for Chewbacca. Yeah, that's a huge degree of difficulty. Same with, like, uh, R2-D2. It's, like, barely even a character, but feels like... One of... It feels like like a beloved pet or something. They have, like, the most well-defined personalities of the Star Wars universe. (laughs) So, R.I.P. Chewie. I don't don't actually know if Peter Mayhew was in other movies... Probably. I guess it doesn't matter. Right. Check him out if you want, but you know him as Chewbacca and you loved him as Chewbacca. Um, other thing, just a, you know, just a nerdy Oscar tidbit. Um, as part of like a refreshing rules, we talked about it a little last week. One of them that I didn't hear about last week is uh, Oscar nominations for makeup and hairstyling. Not the most important Oscar, but it was like three forever. Now mm-hmm. it's going to be five. Which is... Uh, Finally. Yeah. You know, you should respect the artistry there and just treat it like a normal category instead of being the only one that has less than five. That's so weird. It also may make it harder for, like, the Suicide Squads and, and those kind of movies to win if there's more competition. Yeah. Maybe another, like, Best Picture contender can get in there or another interesting one. Like the man called Uvs and the Borders of the World that are kind of interesting ones you wouldn't have heard otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, I like that. A quick game to movie news. You alluded to it, but <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog Backlash. Horrifying uh, like leak of the, the graphics that are going to be in the movie. So bad that the film production had to do a response. <laughs> We're going to redo it all. <laughs> I hope the movie was finished. And they had to do this. I hope they're also just going to, like, replace Jim Carrey in that movie. Yeah, that would be, be nice. amazing. Just just do a do a full uh, Christopher Plummer in there. He's doing, Put Christopher Plummer in it. He's doing the Jim Carrey stuff in the trailer that, like, I didn't know he did anymore. Because it, I thought people stopped liking that sort of Jim Carrey humor around 1999 or so. Yeah, after, like, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, I thought he stopped modulating that way, but... Boy... He's leaning into it hard. That movie looks so, but so bad. Somebody stop him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's all I got. You got any breathing? Uh, dude, nope. <laughs> nope, I got nothing. Alright. Uh, so after Breezy, we say, what to watch? What to watch. Okay. So David, what to watch? It is pretty bleak. Um, this weekend. I think next weekend there's more bigger stuff. In the weekend before there was bigger stuff. And this is an in-between. So we have three movies to choose from. One is called uh, Palms. It's Diane Keaton is in a retirement oh, God, community. Oh, yeah, yeah, and wants to do cheerleading. That just makes me cringe. I think I'm, gonna, I'm a hard pass. Uh, if I didn't do the book club movie, I'm definitely not doing Diane Keaton <laughs> cheerleading movie. Right. No offense to Diane Keaton. Uh, I stay in a legend, but I'm out. Um, also, we have The Hustle. I feel like I just started seeing previews for it, and it's already coming out. What is this? This is uh, Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson look like uh, con women. Okay. 
Uh, it's actually a remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but they changed the title. Interesting. I guess that makes me think that it's probably not good. <laughs> Because, you know, Michael Caine and Steve Martin, great in that movie. I love that movie. Uh, Maybe it's personal taste, but I would like Rebel Wilson to go the way of Ken Jeong, which is... <laughs> yeah, little is a, goes a long way. I, I also agree. <laughs> I find her kind of annoying. Um, I like Anne Hathaway, but she has an English accent for some reason in this movie. Why? I'm sure it's going to turn out to be fake. Okay. <laughs> That's just my prediction. Um, and then uh, the only other thing I think that's in wide release is the uh, unnerving Detective Pikachu. <laughs> I guess that's, well, that's my pick. Sure. It's, it's gotta be. I mean, I hear there's Pokemons in it, and I like them Pokemons. <laughs> I know nothing about Pokemons, and I would happily go watch that over either other choice that we have. And it's got Ryan Reynolds doing his Ryan Reynolds thing. But not the Deadpool thing, because this is uh, yeah, probably PG related. I think it's PG. I believe so. Yeah. So this they'd is be insane not to make it PG. This is a, a yeah, very a, a kidsy movie here. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of this movie. Unless I'm missing something, I I did uh, just watch and uh, uh, what to watch or what to expect when you're watching, <laughs> whatever other one we do. Um, but both of them, these are the only wide release movies I, I saw. I guess I would recommend that, or I could hastily try to look if there's a new Netflix original movie, but I'll go Detective Pikachu within the parameters. Yeah. It's a clean sweep. Detective Pikachu, go see it. And preferably go, preferably go see it with me so I can so you can explain to me all the references in the movie, <laughs> which I'm not going to understand. That's a Bulbasaur. Yeah. That's a Charizard, and if you give him a Moonstone, he becomes a... <laughs> so, yeah. You don't give Charizard a Moonstone. <laughs> I don't know what any of those things mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, that was Talkie Talk, podcast for the media by us. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe. Give us a rating. You can uh, engage with us on Facebook, at our groups, TV by us, movies by us, and games by us. You can tweet, tweet with us. You can email us. You can just figure out where to email us. And uh, last but not least. <laughs> last week I did offer you could get like a free Lisa mattress if you use our email address. If you just need to enter in a fake email address, <laughs> use our thing so we get some mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feel free to use the, the media by us at Gmail to just sign up for <laughs> spam. <laughs> That's so horrible. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Thank you to the Willow Walkers for our intro music. And thank you to Boo Reefa for our outro music. And thank you to David for not heading north to fight with the Northmen <laughs> this week. Staying in the south with me. I'm scared. Yeah. Uh, and thank you to the listener. And that's everybody. Adios. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town, slow pokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know.